put on a sweater vest just to show that I appreciate the cool weather. I waited until now to put it on, although I know some people are still freezing, and I feel bad for you that you have a bad condition that makes you cold. Uh, man, it feels like I hadn't preached any this year. Uh, <laughs> see, I thought that was better than Peyton's last week, so I, I had to throw that in there. You know, last week, talking about Peyton, I got to get my clicker. Talking about Peyton, Peyton did a really good job. It's he, he started us off in a series within a series, um, kind of a mini-series within our major series of the Gospel of Mark. In fact, go ahead and take out your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 12. We're going to get there in just a minute. Um, but Jesus has been confronted as we came to the end of chapter 11. I mean, it's just like one after the next. You know, you got the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and, and all these kind of things. And, and Jesus just shows that, you know what? That doesn't bother me. You know, I got this. Uh, you know, they have come to play checkers and Jesus is playing chess, right? Because when Jesus deals with these folks and deals with all of their questions, they are just no match for the Son of God. And last week, Peyton did a really good job in dealing with this issue that has come up. And, and it really goes to the idea of the image of God. And it, and it had to do with the question about giving to Caesar or, or paying these taxes to Caesar. And Jesus simply says this, and, and Peyton, again, he just he dealt with this wonderfully. And Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and to God the things that are God's. And so he shows, you know, with that coin, this belongs to him. But we are the image bearers of God. And therefore, we are to give our whole selves to our creator. We, are, we have been made in his image, according to Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 26. And so we give back to God. And maybe in kind of a way in which someone who takes a coin with Caesar's picture and you give it back to Caesar. And so we become the coinage of Christ, the coinage of God, and we give back to him. And Jesus, he's, he, here he is, he's at the temple. This is ground zero of their Jewish worship. And he's going to say something that is so profound that it's going to, it's going to supersede even this great and holy place where these offerings to God are offered. And where the Jewish people, this is where they would say, this is how we have been giving back to God in the ultimate way. So we begin, and it begins in a very interesting way. Let's just see how this hits you. You ready? So verse 28, chapter 12, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Uh, and, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? For us, that's a strange question. You know, and, and probably some of us preachers, we've seen people hint at this. Clay, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, it seems like what they're saying is, well, which ones do I really have to follow? And which ones, eh, it doesn't really matter if I follow that commandment or not. And that's not what's happening here. The difference is we just didn't live in that culture and we weren't 
we've been live over the last you know century or so and how they were doing things and so the the law of Moses the Torah Genesis through through uh, Deuteronomy there are 613 commandments some say 611 we're going with 613 and of those there are heavy and there are light there are those that are greater and smaller Jesus even talked about the least of these commands and, and so the heavy represents those things that are the utmost importance. And the other ones have less demands. Maybe not even quite the judgment that you might see on some of those commands. And for us, we can see that as, you know, well, that's kind of offensive. Well, let's put it this way. Let's say that you go home today and your house is on fire. And you only have so much time to be able to get a few things out. What do you grab? Okay, if your kids are in there, you know, you're going to get the good ones out, right? No, I'm just kidding. You get all of them. You get all of them. Uh, you know, you, 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 maybe your wallet, your computer, uh, your passport, uh, important papers, maybe an heirloom, family pictures. You know, at that moment, we are determining what are the heavier, the heavier possessions we have. And, and that doesn't mean we don't love all the things in our house. That doesn't mean we don't love our house. And, and we love these things. And that we, we really are happy with what we have. It just means that in that moment, we determine what is the heavier things. And that really is kind of what is going on here. So Jesus is being asked this question. So beginning in verse 29, Jesus is going to answer that question. He doesn't say, hey, well, all of them are important. No, that's not how Jesus answers this. He says, you know what? Here they are. And here's number one. He says uh, in verse 29, the most important is, hear, O Israel. This might sound a lot like the song we just sung. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. We sometimes, or the Jews, actually refer to this as the Shema. Okay? You say, okay, well, what does that mean? It means here. <laughs> I put it up there for you. That, they took it from the very first Hebrew word, Shema. Here, listen. And so this is the, one of the most important prayers in all of Scripture, and it's right there in Deuteronomy. And so it, it was also the centerpiece of Moses' last words to the people as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And once they stepped into the promised land, the Jews, they recited the Shema twice a day. I'd say that's pretty important. The other word I want you to see is the word love. And, and it means, and it, the Hebrew word is ahava. That's a fun word to say. You want to say it with me? Ahava. Ahava. And, and it is a word that is an action. It's more than a feeling. You know, I, I just have this feeling towards God. No, it's more than that. It is going into action. And the very next chapter of Deuteronomy 6, he gives the ultimate illustration of this kind of love that we are to have for God. And he's talking about Israel. And he says, look, I ahavad you, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because simply, I am love. God is love. 
And, and so God doesn't love Israel because they deserved it. It originates out of his own character. And Israel is now called to respond to God's love for them, this ahava. How? By giving love, ahava back. It, it's, it's not just, I love you, God. It is, I'm living my life. There's an action that is happening in my life. So the Jewish law begins with worship. It begins with the love of God. Because if it's true that you and I are made in the image of God, then the more we worship and love the one that, um, that has loved us and that we are to reflect, the more we understand and the more we will love in the love of God. Okay, We reflect the very love that God has for us. And so we, we give our whole lives to God. I would say many of you, you're here because you say, I want to give this to God, okay? And why is that? Because God first loved us. We didn't deserve it. We certainly didn't earn it. But it's because the Father gave us his beloved Son. And so that's where all of this comes out of. He loves us, and we love God, and now we love others. And every portion of our being is to be given into this love for God. You see what he says? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. God does not love us in portions. Okay? He doesn't say, okay, well, there's a portion of me that will love you here. God loves us with his whole self. And so God is asking us to love, to love God with our whole self, with everything that we've got. And if we treat God as something that we come, and we have allotted this time, this hour, that we are going to come and worship God, this is our allotted time. But then the rest of the week, in our homes, and in our jobs, and in our communities, that, well, we've allotted that for things other than God other than the mind of God, other than the love of God, then we failed. Because it's something that is to be every aspect, every point of our lives should be given to God in Ahava. Let's talk about how we're to love him. We're to love him with all our heart. The heart is the command center of the body. It's where our decisions are made. It's where emotions are found. It's where our passions are found as well. And you know what? People can, can offer up this lip service, and, and we can sing, and we've done a lot of singing today about how we love God. And we can offer up all these kinds of things, but Jesus warns us that love without the heart is useless. You remember what he said? some of the religious leaders before, he quotes from Isaiah and he says, this people honors me with their lips. He says, but their heart, their heart is far from me. Inwardly, they did not share God's values. Let me give you a case in point. You've heard the story of the prodigal son. And I've taught this and I've read this and I've talked with people about this for years. And the one thing I hear more than anything else is how I really 
I feel sorry for the older brother. I'm not going to make you show hands. I'm not going to make you show hands. But we do that. We're like, he's the good son. You know, the text, I mean, there he says, I have obeyed your very command. He didn't leave to go, you know, in sinful living. And we think that is the standard. But he gave lip service. He did not live by the Father's values. Why? Because he could not rejoice when one of his father's children came home. He did not have the heart of God, the heart of love. You see this. It's more than giving lip service. It's more than just obeying a bunch of commands. It's so much more than that. Everyone thought that the religious leaders in their time, that they are the prime example. I mean, hey... Look at what they do, and we're going to talk about that next week. Jesus, Jesus is going to blast them next week. But he saw through their lip service and through some of their actions even, and he went straight to their hearts as to who they were. Because you see, our heart is what betrays us. No matter what we say, the heart is, is where it's really going to be found. In our heart, though, folks, listen, that's where faith is birthed. It's in our hearts that, that new creation emerges in our lives. It's here where we have been made in the image of God. It's through the heart. So we've got to give all that we have to God with all our heart, but also all our soul. And that's our spirit. And that has to do with uh, vitality, uh, life, energy. Think creation. Remember, we're made in the image of God. And what does God do in creation? He breathes life. He breathes this, this life into our souls. You remember that? Now what do we do? We are to follow that image. And now we are to give our lives, our very soul, every aspect of it to God. And, and, and that means when everything else is falling out around us, when it seems that Christianity is just going nowhere, I stand my ground. It means when it seems like, you know what, I, I'm the only one in this place or in wherever it may be that you are, and you're the only one there, that you say, listen, I give all my soul to this God because he gave all of it to me. But I also must love God with all my mind. And that's our intellect. I don't know if you know this or not. God did not intend us to be mindless drones. He did not intend our worship to be about monotonous rituals. Where there's no, there's no heart, there's no soul, there's no intellect even involved in it. That as long as I do the rituals, then I'm good. Our singing, listen to this, our singing engages the mind as we offer praises to our God. The Lord's Supper we just, just took engages the intellect as we reflect and, and, and we, we come to a point, of we, our thinking brings us even to repentance, it brings us 
to praise. It brings us to thanksgiving and celebration. That's the intellect. And our prayers, are just, they're not a bunch of cliches. Do you, you know what we do in prayer? We're speaking to the creator of all things. We engage our minds, folks. Listening to God's word. Just listening to it, reading it, understanding it. It's not just so that we can know a bunch of stories. It is supposed to change my thinking. It is supposed to change me. Rather than me trying to alter it. So we're warned. By the Apostle Paul in, in, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. What does he say? Don't be conformed. By the thinking of this world, we are to conform ourselves to the kingdom of God. And that is different. And then he says, with all our strength. And that has to do with everything that we are physically. That includes our possessions. And we're going to see the ultimate example next week. I just want you to see right now that, that when we talk about loving God, it is with our whole being. It, it, it comes... It comes out of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. It is not to be tithed. It is to be, it is to be all of who we are and where we are and when we are. You see that? It makes a difference. All right, we're not finished. Actually, Jesus isn't finished. So remember, the scribe comes to him and he says, Listen, what do you think? What is the greatest command? And Jesus says, I'm going to give you two. And here's number two, beginning in verse, uh, in verse 30, wait, yeah, 31. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. None. Giving the number one command, Jesus now gives number two, because he knows these two, they go hand in hand. And this time he quotes from another law of Moses. It comes from Leviticus 19 and in verse 18. Now in the Old Testament, we need to understand this. That the way one loved God and showed their love to God was by showing God's love to others. Okay? So here is Israel and they, they love God because God has loved them, but now... To show their love for God, they love their neighbor. To love others as we love ourselves is what is said there. And you know what that, that is assuming we have a very healthy ego. Usually we don't have a problem with that. And what he's saying here is that I'm going to love others with the same respect that I give myself. And yet, here we are living in a world, and sometimes even in our churches, where we don't do that. And we see division, and we see fighting, and we see gossiping, and we find all of these kinds of things that are going on because I'm, not, I'm thinking of myself. We are much, we want other people to give us the benefit of the doubt. Am I right? But do we always give other people the benefit of the doubt? If you don't believe me, go to social media. I don't know how many things have been posted. I don't even know what to believe anymore. 
I honest, I really, I don't know what to believe anymore. And, and I've been contemplating this for a while, so if you see that you're looking for me on Facebook and I've disappeared, there's a reason for that because I'm just sick of it. I'm just tired of, of seeing people, you know, rant and rave about people and, and rant and rave about this or that, and they share things that, that, that may or may not even be true. And there's no investigation of it because we want other people to give us the benefit of the doubt. But we're not always very good at giving other people the benefit of the doubt. But when we love God and love our neighbor as we love ourselves, that's exactly the way we'll treat people. By giving them the benefit of the doubt. We like juicy gossip. Listen, our world likes to see the rich and the famous fall. They, the same as they like to see Christians when they can find anything on us that is negative and they like to just blast it out there for all it is and never, and rather than saying, well, not all Christians are like this, saying, well, this is what it's all about. And we don't like that, but you know what? We can complain about it, but sometimes we do the exact same thing to the world. You say, well, is that really my neighbor? Well, it wasn't in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it meant those who were Israelites. But Jesus came and he, he did this parable called the, the Good Samaritan. And he expanded the meaning of my neighbor. He came and asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story about this hated Samaritan and how he saves this man who has been beaten and left for dead. And he says this. You want to know who your neighbor is? Let's just give you the, the, you know, the cliff notes here. It's anyone who is in need. It's not just people who are like you. It's not just Jews. It is anyone who is in need, and that even includes your enemies. Now, it doesn't mean we don't confront evil. Folks, we do. Look at Jesus. What's been happening with, the, with these religious leaders? He's been confronting them, folks. He, he deals with their hypocrisy, and he deals with their injustice. He, he is offended by these folks. He doesn't just take someone who, you know, all of a sudden, all they, these crowds sometimes, all they want to do is follow Jesus to get their next meal. Jesus didn't buy into that either. But who is then my neighbor? It could be a widow it could be a single mom. It could be a depressed young adult. It could be an elderly adult who's hurting or sick. It could be someone who just lost their job, and on and on we go. And that person could be someone who is right here in this church, and we've known people. We've known people in this very situation. Some of you in here may be in that very situation, one somewhere along this line. It may be people you work with. It may be people that, you know, you see um, out in your community, people that, you know, you, you kind of do life with. But what if that person in need is an atheist or a Muslim? What if they're an illegal immigrant? What if they are the gay couple in your neighborhood? Do you then pass by on the other side? 
Or do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? And do we live in the image of Jesus who taught us about this Samaritan who was hated by the very man? They were just so offended by them that he stops and he, he helps him. And if you read the parable, I won't give you all, I don't want to spoil it. But, you know, there's these religious people who all pass around it. Not just religious people, religious leaders. I now just spoiled it. We bear the image of God when we love our neighbor, when we love as Jesus loved. And who did he love? Go back and read his ministry. He loved the outcasts and he loved the sinners. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know sometimes we're, we're guilty of James 2. You know, this one guy, he shows up to their worship service and, and he's wealthy and he has influence. And this other guy, second guy, he shows up and he's, you can tell, he doesn't have a lot and he's, he's not dressed like the other one and, and he's, he's all poor and everything. And, and, and we think about ourselves as if number one guy comes in, you know, we might offer that guy, hey, won't you come sit with us? But if the second guy were to come in, we might say hello if we even do that part. But we think that we're loving our neighbor because number one comes in and I treat them so well. And yet at the same time, we are rejecting the love of God because the reason that we're wanting the number one guy and we're treating them so well is because of what they can do for us. And if we are honest with ourselves, sometimes, I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm just saying sometimes the number two guy comes in, and whether we do this consciously or whether we do it unconsciously, we're thinking in our minds, what can they really do for me? That's not the love of God. That's not the love of neighbor. The greatest commands that have been given here, folks, that Jesus gives, do you know this is not a new religion? Jesus is simply telling us the very things that pious Jews tried to live by. There is a difference, though. The difference is that Jesus did come, and he died, and he resurrected, and he ascended to the right hand of God, and he sent his Holy Spirit. And now we see, in Romans 5, 5, that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And, and we ask the question, well, how can I, how can I grow in this? We grow and this love grows, it manifests itself as we separate ourselves from the world and its thinking and its philosophies and its mindset. And we make God's love the very center of our lives. That this love that we have for God is not something we do once a week. It is our very essence of our being and we're going to, we're going to just continue to fill our minds with God and with Christ and his teachings and, and we're just going to continue to fill ourselves with it. And we're not going to give infractions and we're not going to tithe our, you know, our, our love for God. We're going to give him our whole self. It's submitting to the Spirit of God. Listen to this, Acts 5.32. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. 
how, how do I love like this? We submit ourselves. We submit ourselves. Okay. Let's get to the last couple of verses here. Verse 32 through 34. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him, and to love him with all the, all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. We're meant to be shocked by this, if you don't know that. You do realize what's been happening here on day three. It's just been one group after another. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, they're all attacking Jesus. And this one scribe shows up, and he asks Jesus this question, and he's not there to trap Jesus. He's here to listen to Jesus, and he, he agrees with him. And folks, it's major as to what he just agrees to. He agrees that the love of God is greater than all the sacrifices that can be offered at the temple. And that doesn't mean those, those sacrifices were not important. Folks, we're talking about relative importance. And at this particular time when Mark is writing and these readers and they're passing the gospel of Mark around, the temple at this time has either been taken over by outlaws or it's been under siege. It's going to come. It's going to even be destroyed by the Romans in A.D. 70. It's close to this time if it's not at this time. And some of them are going to read it at this time. And they need to know that in order for me to fulfill the very law and the prophets of God, it's not based on a sacrifice that I put upon an altar. It is based upon the love I have for God. See this and how I love other people. To enter the kingdom, we must do more than follow rituals. We must love God and others by following Jesus. And the question is it's thrown back to us. I don't know if you see it. We're here to worship. That's fantastic. And we've sung and we've prayed and we've had the Lord's Supper. And those are all important. We're, this doesn't diminish the importance of any of those things. But have we this morning done the most important thing? That in all we've done, have we loved God with all that we have, every part of our being? And have we loved one another in that way? You say, well, I think so. All right, think about your worship this morning. Has your mind been locked in? Have you been completely locked in? Or have you gone through some of these songs and you're not even real sure what we sung? Or the prayers have been offered and while prayers are being offered or maybe it's the, the Lord's Supper, you know, where, where maybe we're, we're getting out other things or maybe we're thinking about what we're going to do. I mean, really, have we, given, have we given all that we have to God this morning? And, and when this service is over and when we get this last song in here, you know, are you going to just bolt to the door and have no fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ? In order to get to the restaurants. Now, listen, I know some people have to, there's certain things that are very important. But I'm talking about, they, they did, there's times that I just, I'm just here, I did my thing, I'm leaving. 
Or let's just say those of you who stay and you stick around and somebody comes up to you and they pour out their heart to you and they're telling you things that are going on and you know some of these things that are going on. Do we leave them with, you know, I'm just so sorry that's happening. Or do we really and truly show our love for them and say, let's pray about this right now, right here in this building. And I really don't care who sees me. Because the fact of the matter is God is my number one audience. That's it. And I'm giving everything I have to God. And if I love my neighbor, I'm going to give him God. We didn't even got out the front door. Now what happens when we go out the front door and we go into our parking lot and we go into our community? Is this the best we're going to give God all week? Is this the best we're going to sound? Is this the most we're going to talk about God? Is this the only place that we're really going to stay focused on this? Or do we just check it all at the door? Are you tithing your love for God? Or are you you're giving your whole self to God? And are you doing it with the people out here that you come across that you see they have need? not easy we need God's spirit <laughs> we need God's spirit in this I gotta stop honking horns we're meant to see ourselves in this narrative folks are you like the scribe who has a wealth of biblical knowledge? This scribe, he has a wealth of biblical knowledge, and yet he comes to Jesus and he says, teach me. Or are we like his compadres, the group of the Sadducees, or the scribes, who would come to Jesus, and they have this wealth of knowledge, and they're saying to Jesus, you can't teach me anything else. I know everything I need to know. Or are you here this morning, and you've come, you're here, and, and you and it's just like with the scribe, and he says, you're so close to the kingdom of God. He's not there yet because he has not submitted himself to following Jesus and following his teachings. But he's close. And some of you, you may be here this morning, and you're close. And we don't know what happened to the scribe. I wish I, you know, sometimes I just wish I could, you know, write a letter. <laughs> what happened to this guy? But, you know, I don't, I don't think it was meant for us to know. I think we are meant to find out, to look at it, and it's like a mirror coming back to us, and we say to ourselves, okay, I finished this story. How is it going to go? Listen, we can, we can go out here today, and we can have on all our church clothes, although I'm shedding this thing. Uh, we can have on all these, you know, what we call church clothes, and we can have our Bible in our, you know, in the dashboard and all this kind of thing, and we can tell people, oh, yeah, I was at church this morning and everything else. But how do we treat our neighbor? How do we treat one another? Because we're fixing to sing a song. It says, and they'll know we are Christians. Was that? By our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Do people know that you are a Christian by your love? Or do they think that you're a Christian because all you ever do is criticize everybody? Because for some people in the world, they think that's what Christianity is made of. Jesus says, no, 
true followers of Jesus are people of love. And if we can help you in any way, if you're, if you're this close and we can help you bridge that gap and come to Jesus, we want to do that. And it doesn't have to be at this moment. It can be later. Just listen. Just listen. Jesus is so close. And, and for some of you, you know what? You are a Christian, but you've lost your way. You've lost focus. And now it's, it's, it's all about me, and it's not about God. It's not about other people. Or maybe I'm somewhere in between, but I realize i got to clean that up because you know what? I'm very frustrated when I try to live for God and I'm also out here living with the world. They'll know we are Christians by our love. If we can help you in any way, come as together we stand and as we sing.